Hi, welcome to the Back to One podcast with Riley Eggy and CJ Arnold. In this episode, we'll be continuing our series, Pursuing Unity, by focusing on gentleness. Hey everyone, welcome to the Back to One podcast. I'm really excited because we're continuing our series, Pursuing Unity. In our last part of the series, we focused on humility. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing on gentleness. Humility and gentleness are the first attributes that Paul lists in Ephesians 4. So, CJ, do you want to talk a little bit about the series real quick? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. In Ephesians 4, Paul calls us to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called, which he mentions in Ephesians 1 is to partner with God in God's mission to unify all things in heaven and on earth. So it's really this this huge calling that's really important and defines kind of what the church is supposed to do, like what our mission is here on earth. And in Ephesians 4, he, he doesn't just call us to live a life worthy of that calling. He gives us a roadmap for what that looks like. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And he continues on to list several other things, and um, the roadmap goes deeper than that. And last time we were in this series, we focused in on humility, and now we're focusing in on gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're given as a pair mm-hmm. and humility we talked about being this inward kind of vertical relationship being having your identity grounded in Jesus um, and how how it enabled us to lift other people up and just have a have a good perspective on our our own worth and the worth and value of others and gentleness is kind of the the outward expression of that in a lot of ways yeah so riley what what does gentleness what does gentleness mean in this context yeah so gentleness is a really cool word um it's the word proutes i don't know how to pronounce it in the greek but um it comes from the same root as meekness which is used a lot in the bible and that literally means gentle strength so to you know, it actually implies when you're being gentle that you're you're doing something with force, but it's a gentle force. And so a meekness, um, a meekness and gentleness implies using the proper amount of force in a situation. So um, Jesus is, was called a meek person, and he says the meek will inherit the earth. And so I, I find it really cool that gentleness isn't doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean that you're passive, it means that you use the proper amount of force. And so that relates to unity in a really cool way, because this series, again, is about pursuing unity, and Ephesians 4 is about unity. And so one of the most important things that we have to do to be unified is to address each other and the world with gentleness. Right, yeah, and I love I love it's, it's, a, it's a controlled force. It's not the absence of force. It's not a passive response it's not letting things slide but it's engaging with things in a controlled way it's yeah. not it's not yeah. you know the the bible says in your anger do not sin and i i think we talked about that in our last when we talked about humility the bible doesn't say that anger is a sin 
anger itself is an appropriate response to injustice and to hate and to sin. But it's easy for us as humans to ride on that anger mm. and turn it into hate and sin. <laughs> and so gent- gentleness is is kind of a, a controlled, healthy, righteous response mm. where you're you're controlling the force that you um, are using against injustice. Yeah. I think like Jesus uh, displayed immense strength in gentleness. Mm. I think that gentleness isn't just the absence of using like excessive force, right? It's not the absence. It actually is applying force appropriately or godly. It's a godly force. I think that sometimes a gentle, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about like a gentle answer turns away wrath. Right. So like when you respond with gentleness, it actually can diffuse it. It's very powerful. And I think um, it's not something that is the human default. I don't think that it's the default for my spirit is to be gentle all the time, especially in times where I'm being wronged or other people are being wronged. I think there's a righteous anger when people, when their unjust things are happening. But I think the Holy Spirit empowers us. One of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. So if we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, if we have um, oneness with Jesus, intimacy with him, it produces gentleness. But I, I don't think it's, it's not my default, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, and I, I, it's so important to, to always come back to it starts with our identity being in Jesus, and this, this is all everything. Unity, good biblical, God-centered unity is not something that we can do. It's something that God has to do through us, and it, it, it us being able to do unity the way that Scripture shows us that we're supposed to, mm. is rooted in us relying on God's strength. Mm. and not on ours. It's, it's rooted in us going to him first and deepening that relationship and pursuing that relationship and then allowing and surrendering. And that's what we talk a lot about with humility. It's inviting mm. God in and surrendering to his lordship and then submitting to his will. Mm. And I, I think, you know, with the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is not a natural mindset no. for humans. And so it's really cool, but I think that's another reason we look we look at Jesus's life and see him in perfect union with the Father. We see him living as a human, how humans were intended, in complete submission and with complete humility and completely following God's will for yeah. his life. Yeah. And so through that, he was able to have this perfect gentleness and... And do you just want to share like some of the ways in Jesus's life, how he exemplified yeah, that gentleness? For sure. Yeah. I, I, I think it's amazing. Um, I want to just start with the verse because this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, um, after, you know, saying, come to me. So he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So I think that's cool that when we take on Jesus's agenda, or we take on Jesus's yoke. Um, it's light and easy, and he's gentle with us as a first. Yeah. Um, so I find that cool. Um, I, I think there's so many stories that exemplify Jesus's gentleness. Um, I think of the woman at the well and the way that he is able to confront her sin and and come to her in truth and confront pretty real things that could 
that I mean that situation could have been potentially a lot more aggressive or painful. Right. And he does it with gentleness and tact, and because of that compassion and love, it, you know this this person has a radical heart transformation, and ends up sharing the gospel with her entire town. And so I think that's an example of the power of gentleness, having a conversation, leading with gentleness and love, right? Um, coming from that place. Um, one of the ones that you brought up was the rich young ruler. Um, yeah, yeah. I love the story of the rich young ruler because it's kind of this, I remember growing up, it was this weird story that I didn't really understand because I was like, this is just depressing. Like this dude is literally coming to Jesus and Jesus sends him away. But... Jesus doesn't actually really send him away. Mm. He he tells him gently what the idol is in his heart and what's really keeping him from relationship with mm. God because this ruler was not... The, the ruler was understanding that despite doing all these things, the law said there was something missing and that thing that was missing was relationship. And there was an idol that was blocking that relationship. And, and it, because that thing was so important to the ruler, it was really hard for him. And so he, he leaves and he walks away. But even as he walks away, it says Jesus had compassion on him. And it's just this whole dialogue between Jesus and the rich young ruler where Jesus is so gently pointing out to him what the issue is and not like, go get your stuff together. Yeah. Um, and he, he's not aggressive about it. He's not harsh about it. Um, but he is honest. And he is using force. He's getting right to the point. Right. Yeah. He he cuts through to the heart of the issue. And that can, that's really hard. And I love that the rich young ruler doesn't have this supernatural response where the spirit moves in him and that idol is just removed. He has to walk away and... In a conversation we had earlier, you were talking about there's there's accounts and theories that you know aren't proven, but that that rich young ruler became one of the disciples later yeah. on, and I love I love that, and I think that that is true, and I know I can't prove it, whatever, but mm. I believe it totally. Um, and yeah. because Jesus is so good, and as he walked away, he had compassion on him, and I think that that is something that's really hard for us. It's easy for us to point out sometimes, even even in gentleness, we can do it. But we don't. We also sometimes lack the compassion that follows mm. the pointing out of sin, and I think it's easy for us to point fingers, assign blame, find fault in others, and even in ourselves. But we do it, even if we do it in gentleness. We don't necessarily do it with compassion, mm. and that's just one of the things. I know that's kind of going on a tangent, but it's just one of the characteristics of God that's just so powerful to me. Yeah. It's cool to me that the word gentleness is very, very closely associated with meek. They come from the same root, but meek doesn't mean weak. It just means it's, it comes from that same inner strength that we talked about in humility, right? which is knowing your identity in Christ, knowing who you are in him and, and saying that vengeance is not, vengeance is his, not mine. And knowing that mercy triumphs over judgment and also that, that God is the one who is our judge. And so I think it allows us to apply love and gentleness. And when we confront things, I think it's interesting that gentleness is often used in the context of actually confrontation, not just right. 
like a demeanor of being gentle generally. I mean, it's, it's great to be around people who have a demeanor of gentleness. And I think this is part of it, but I think it's especially powerful when used in the context of very delicate situations, when you actually have the power to harm someone, but instead you choose to be gentle and uplift them and love them. I think the culmination of that for me, the climax of that is Jesus dying on the cross and his heart for his enemies is forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they're doing. And I, right. it's it's a genuine response that convicts me every time I read it, because that is so not my spirit, you know. And I I need relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to have that kind of response, because when I'm being persecuted, I don't want to be gentle. I want to fight back. Um, and you were talking about um, the moment in the garden with Peter before, right? Um. Yeah, I think that's leading up to Jesus's crucifixion. Mm-hmm. There was so much injustice. Um, if you if you read the accounts of just the trials that he went through and the way that he was blamed, the the fact that they chose a known murderer to free over him who ha- had done nothing, who was blameless. They were murdering him because he raised someone from the dead. Right. You know. Um. And so the the amount of injustice that surrounded the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus is overwhelming. And I, I was in a previous discussion we had talking about how in the garden when Jesus is arrested, Peter gets super angry and he draws his sword and tries to kill someone and cuts off their ear. Yeah. And that's like such an understandable response. And I and Peter's anger was justified. Like, this is the Messiah. This yeah. is the king. He he had spent years with Jesus. He knew how blameless Jesus was. And so he was so aware of the injustice that was happening that he was full of anger. And I think that that anger was appropriate, but his action out of that anger wasn't and Jesus rebukes mm. him. Yeah. Um, and then heals the man who Peter injured. And just that, that picture is going to deliver him over to death. Yeah. The man who was literally there to, to do yeah. injustice against Jesus, you know? Um, and so I just, throughout Jesus' life, you see all of these pictures where he responds to injustice and he responds to sin and he responds to people who are hurting and he responds in gentleness. And we we really do also want to point out that he also responds with force in in a more aggressive way. Um, the biggest example of which is when he drives the the market essentially out of the temple. Mm. And you know, he creates a whip and he starts flipping tables and yeah. yelling at people. Angry, full on wrath. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay, Jesus, like I thought we were supposed to do this whole gentle and meek thing. Mm-hmm. And now you're running around the temple, flipping tables over and yeah. um, whipping, you know? And so one of the things that is just on my heart in this conversation is, yes, there is righteous anger and there is righteous action to be taken that is, for lack of a better word, aggressive. Yeah. Um. But what we're focusing on here is that God calls his church 
to habitually have a spirit of gentleness Mm -hmm. and that it is far more human to sin in anger than it is to have a righteous vengeance. And God says, vengeance is mine. Mm -hmm. Leave the vengeance to me. And so our, our heart and our focus in this conversation is, is yes, there is a righteous place for vengeance. And yes, there is a righteous place for aggressive, violent, righteous violence. But the church, our habitual response to sin, our habitual response to injustice, mm-hmm. or not to injustice, but to the people in unjust circumstances yeah, on to, both sides, people, yeah. the oppressor and the victim, is to have a spirit of gentleness and to engage with gentleness, not mm-hmm. to engage with passiv- passivity and let it happen or let it continue, mm-hmm. but to address it with with force, but with a gentle force, a controlled force. Mm. It makes me think of James 1-2 we were talking about. It says that uh, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So yeah. like God's just anger doesn't is good because it's just, but human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. And so I think it takes a looking inward at yourself. Right. That is, it's a dangerous line. And I think the fact that Jesus's default is gentleness is big too. I think that if you're someone who gets angry flippantly, you're going to lose respect for that person generally. But if you're someone that is gentle as a default, when they do actually get mad, when you test their patience long enough, it means something. It means something more than just being a loose cannon as well. Right. And that that is so critical and speaks so much to our need for the spirit to work in us because it, it's not human natural for us to have patient gentleness consistently with people enemies yeah (laughs) who yeah are wronging us and violent against us oppressing us or you know or oppressing others you know and Mm -hmm. i think that the gentleness in a lot of people's minds has this connotation of being passive which i've used that word multiple times already like and I just want to hammer in, like, gentleness is not passivity. Mm. It, it is direct confrontation, but not in human anger. Mm. Um, and it's such an important piece of unity, and that's, that's where our heart is. We want to see the church, especially the church as the whole body of Christ, yeah. the whole community of believers, the whole family of God. Globally globally Mm. you know there's so much disunity there's so much hurt there's so much blaming name calling you know because of whether it's a denominational bridge that needs to be built um a political Mm. bridge you know politics especially in america right now like politics are driving people apart Mm. inside the church and we want to see healing in that we want to see unity and we want to see the body of God come back together as one. Mm. Um, so, so with that in mind as being part of our mission, what, what exactly does gentleness have to do with pursuing unity? Mm. Well, I love all the examples because looking at, at Jesus's life helps us, but I think some of the, one of the most important thing that I think of is that gentleness has the ability to break sin cycles. Yes. 
And I've been thinking a lot about sin cycles because uh, I've been re- re- uh, studying the book of Genesis and how the original sin has this cascading effect. It breaks the, it first it breaks marriage, then it breaks the family, it causes murder. Right. And then as cultures built, um, you know, they use intentional numbers like seven times 70 to show you that when they're originally called to fill the land and to subdue it. And it says they did fill the land. They filled it with violence. And so all that to say, we can break sin cycles when we respond with gentleness. Because mm. if I am, if you hurt me, and then I respond by saying, well, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. It's just like a prank war. It escalates. That's the way I think of it. I know that's a funny way to bring it up, but it's it's just a thought, you know, yeah. is that I'm hurting you because you hurt me. And then my kids are hurting your kids because... I hurt you. And you know, it just, it turns into this massive problem. Right. But if my response to you when you hurt me is, Hey, you hurt me, but I respond with gentleness and love and compassion. Um, I think Romans 12 talks about how, like when you love your enemies, rather love and pray for them. And that when you do that, it heaps burning coals on their head. Like what, what does that mean? But (laughs) it's a, it's like a figure of speech. Um, that basically means that like, it helps them to realize what they're doing is shameful. It gives them a moment to realize, oh, what what I'm doing is wrong, um, and it gives an opportunity for repentance. And it, it I, and when you res- you're res- responding with God's heart, I think often when you're responding with godly repentance, and so I think it breaks that cycle. So to come all the way back globally to maybe our context now is that if someone's coming to me with hurt and anger because of something that's been been done to them. I could respond with political jargon. I can respond with my own heart. But if I respond with gentleness, there's an opportunity for healing and reconciliation. And so when we're coming to the table together, when we come with humility and we do it with gentleness, then all of our hurts and our warts and our planks in our eyes can all come into the same place and be healed. And we can help sharpen each other and love each other in a way that we can't do without gentleness. Yeah, and specifically in the church, its gentleness is restorative. In Galatians 6, uh, in the first verse, Paul says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, restore them with a spirit of gentleness. Mm. You know, and so it's the, I've seen so many Christians respond to people being caught in sin mm. um, with shame Judgment. And judgment yeah. and, you know, turning them into the Grinch, not wanting to touch them with a however long, I can't remember the song, but, you know, they don't want to touch them with like a super mm-hmm. long pole. You know, it's like they push people away. Right. You know, it's like that's not what the gospel is. That's not what Jesus does. That's not what he teaches us to yeah. do. You know, he doesn't teach us to shame people and push people away. And in, if you look at his life, he goes and he sits and he fellowships with and eats with all of these people that were not wholly righteous people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he sits with them and he has this spirit of gentleness and it's restorative. Mm. You know, I would love to have conversations with the people that aren't named in the Bible that Jesus just like sat and had a meal with, mm. you know, and, because that that would be so different, I think, than people right now who might have, well, probably wouldn't actually have a meal with, but 
if they were to have a meal with some of the people in the church now, including me sometimes, you know, um, they might not feel that spirit of gentleness. Mm -hmm. And I really, you know, it's just my prayer that the church would become this place where people come and they feel this spirit of gentleness and it's restorative and it brings healing and Mm -hmm. reconciliation. That's so cool. I think about the verses we read uh, about Jesus saying, come to me because I'm gentle. Mm -hmm. It's that like, I'm going to deal with you and your sin and your issues gently. And we talk about the woman at the well. We talked about different accounts of Jesus doing that, getting to the point and doing like almost like heart surgery, but with so much precision and gentleness. I think that is one of the things that you're saying that the church needs to be. Right. As Jesus's body, we need to have his spirit of gentleness. Right. Because we're his ambassadors. Right. You know, we're, we're not our ambassadors. We're not ambassadors for our pastors. You know, we're not ambassadors for our political agenda. Mm. Um, we're ambassadors for Jesus. And that should always come above whatever we're putting at the top of our list. You know, for some people, it's politics. For some people, it's doctrinal purity. For some people, it's a very specific piece of doctrinal purity, whether mm. that's baptism or speaking in tongues or, you know, whatever it is those issues shouldn't allow us to exclude and shame and push away people and not have relationship. Right. You know, because that's not what we're called to do as the church. Yeah. So we kind of touched on it already, but I I think just to ask the question, so like in the context of 2021, we talked about it as the church, but what does it look like, you know, for our listener, for me, for you to lean into this, global gentleness that the church is supposed to have? Like, how does that break down for you? Yeah, I think it goes back to humility and it goes back. I mean, if you go back to humility, you have to go back to Jesus and your identity in Jesus. And it's, it's a continual thing for all of us. You know, you and I spend a lot of time together and know that we aren't perfect. You Mm -hmm. know, you can't, you can't spend time, you can't spend honest time with yourself and with people in your life and think that you have humility down or gentleness down. You know, we're, we're human, we're flawed, and we have to keep coming back to Jesus and ground, regrounding our identity in him. I like that. Um, I think that when, when it comes to gentleness, I think the reason humility and gentleness are a pair is because if you're like, I really want to get good at gentleness, you have to get good at humility. You have to be good at having that lowliness of mind of knowing your worth and being rooted in your worth that's in Jesus mm. and everyone else's worth and then lifting them up yeah, above it's like yourself. You have that. And when you have that settled, it allows you to focus on the needs of other people in a way that's not self-sabotaging. Right. So it allows me to have that prayer, forgive them, Lord for they know not what they're doing because I'm not focused on myself even though I'm being persecuted. Right, and it, it allows you to respond when when people are doing things that, that cause you anger. Mm-hmm. It allows you to, instead of, of feeling that anger and letting you, yourself react out of that anger, it, it allows you to respond as, um, in a way that puts their heart and and their worth in an elevated place 
Because so often when, when we respond in anger, we're angry at this person because of what they did or what they didn't do. And human anger response is to take that person that I'm angry at and push them down. Right. And that's like you were talking about. It becomes a sin cycle. You see the oppressor become the oppressee. Yep. And, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's this cycle that has to break, like you were saying. And the way that we do that is being grounded in our faith and in our identity in Jesus and doing that continually. And I think in the context of 2021, we really want to challenge people to look inward first and with their look at their relationship with Jesus and say, okay, Jesus was gentle. Jesus was humble. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. And then called us to do the same thing. And he didn't push these political, like Jesus talks about politics like once. Mm. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. You know, he didn't really engage when people, not not that I, I'm saying you shouldn't engage in politics at all. That's not what I'm saying. But that wasn't the focus. That right. wasn't the heart of Jesus. And, you know, I think that there are people who are called to be in politics, and I think that's really important, especially in a democracy. It's important to be engaged but I think it's more important to be loving and it's mm-hmm. more important to model Jesus in relationship. And I think that if politics or denominations and, you know, whatever it is are keeping you from being gentle and keeping you from embracing people who have wronged you or who have been hurt and are looking for healing and support, mm-hmm. if your if your politics or your doctrinal purity is keeping you from doing those things, I think that you're doing those things wrong. Right. It requires you to maybe reprioritize. Right. And rather than look through an issue through the lens of a political party or agenda, to look through it first through the lens of gentleness and a human that is on the other side of the conversation. Um, So before we end, I want to read a verse that I was, I think is really cool. I was thinking about that prayer that, or that when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, that I'll give you rest and that he's, he's gentle and lowly. Um, I, I, I think how, how it breaks down is that I want to look like that so I can be a good representation. You're saying mm-hmm. an ambassador, how can I come to the world, someone in the world who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have a relationship with him and I'm impatient and I'm not gentle when I address issues, and yet I call myself a Christian. How is that g- being a good representation of him? So for me, I need to take on Jesus's gentleness in order to be his ambassador so that I can actually ask, you know, tell people, yes, this gentleness that Jesus has is good, and let me show you it, and let me invite you into it. And I find that cool because in, in 2 Timothy— uh, 24 through 26, it says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I just find that so cool that gentleness is at the heart of 
correcting someone and it actually creates an opportunity for salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love, and I think this is a good way to kind of set up where we're going with this. Um, because the next thing Paul talks about in Ephesians four after patient or after gentleness is patience. And even in that verse you just read, Timothy says, perhaps mm. it may perhaps do this, right? Every time that we're gentle, every time that we, we listen and submit to God's will and God's compassion, you know, and are gentle with people, there there is a chance that there's going to be a dramatic, instantaneous conversion or response or healing, restoration, and that is so beautiful, and I hope it happens in our lives. But there's also a chance that it doesn't, and it, there's also a chance that you be gentle with someone, and they keep on being hurtful and yeah. angry. It might take seven times, 70 times of you forgiving and being gentle and patient with that person. Right, exactly. And that that's where the patience come in. So I think Paul knew that and he was, mm. that's what he, you know, he was like, I'm telling you to be gentle, <laughs> but you have to be patient and therefore keep being gentle. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think that's super hard. And like I was saying earlier, it requires constantly coming back and rerouting your identity in Jesus, re- bringing on humility, mm. re-grounding yourself in him and reminding yourself every single day, okay, I want to be gentle. I want to pursue yeah. this uh, fruit of gentleness. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of patience and it's not natural. No. Well, do you mind if I pray for us to close? Not at all. All right. Well, Jesus, thank you so much that you modeled gentleness and you modeled how to show gentle force and power. And I thank you that your power is made perfect in weakness, God, in humility. And I ask personally for me, for CJ, for my family, for the local church that I'm going to, that we would model your gentleness, God, that we would deal gently with each other as issues arise, and we would deal gently with the world as they come to us with baggage, hurt, and political issues and divides. And I just, I pray that your church I call it out just for more and more to look gentle so that we could be a place where we could say, come into this place because we are gentle and we are lowly of mind and here you're going to find rest for your souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Back to One podcast. In our next episode, we interview Dr. Paul Sano Chung about why the church should aim higher than tolerance. Remember to subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode.